Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are now on the eighth lesson of our second quarter, all about the book of Genesis. And this time the lesson is titled, The Promise. And in reality, it covers essentially two main stories in the life of Abraham. Now, if you recall, we're in a little three-part mini-series about the experience in the life of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, we looked at you know Genesis 15 through basically 19, 19 yep. uh, and a lot was covered in there. This time, uh, the main issue is going to be Genesis chapter 22, and then again chapter 24, and we'll get into what all of that means in just a moment. Indeed. But before we get even into our introduction, or especially the talking points themselves, we should dedicate our time to the Lord in prayer, so why don't you lead us in that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word, the word of truth to guide us into, and the spirit of truth that guides us into truth. I pray, Lord, that as we meditate upon the lessons this week, I pray that you would bless us as we share these talking points. And I pray a special blessing upon our teachers and leaders, Lord, as they lead out in their local churches, that what they share would be a blessing to the class, that it would be a means of helping them in their daily Christian walk, And as they seek to help others be prepared for the soon coming of Jesus, we ask and pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I've already kind of given some introductory comment about the main chapters are Genesis 22 and 24. Two main experiences are covered. But I wanted to have a a little extended introduction to this one. A little teaching moment. A little teaching (laughs) moment, if you would, right? So... I've got it written in the notes, and I'll just kind of cover it. It says, this week's lesson covers two significant episodes in Abraham's life. The command to sacrifice Isaac, which comes from Sunday and Monday's lesson, and the marriage of Isaac to Rebecca, which comes from Wednesday's lesson. Each of these contain a feast of spiritual food and could fill any Sabbath school class with edifying discussion. I would submit to you that any one of those could do that. So if you just yes. had the story of Genesis 22, that's a Sabbath school class. And the same right. between this marriage of Isaac. A lot in there. Now, the lessons of Tuesday and Thursday, however, of this week, I found to be uh, challenging for a teaching perspective for one main reason. Well, I guess a couple of main reasons. First of all, the death of Sarah, which is a tragedy and a sadness and a reality, um, it probably doesn't rise to the level of the faith experience of Mount Moriah as far as spiritual application for us today. Uh, and the same thing with Thursday when we talk about Abraham's second wife after Sarah's death, Keturah. But what really got me interested this week, uh, all of my study notes in my lesson are in black. I don't know if you can see that on the screen, but I have underlines and check marks and brackets and stuff that you scribble and make notes about, right? Little notes in the off and the side, and the margins there. But when it came to Tuesdays and Thursdays, I got out a different color pen, blue, and I started narking the things that are hmm. are tend towards speculation instead of. Um, maybe substantive yes. uh, clarity. For example, look at these phrases. Suggests, might have been, don't know how much, can infer, probably, could show. You go to Thursdays. Uh, unclear, suggests, could, also may also imply, mm-hmm. potential, may explain, subtle illusion, is perhaps. I mean, we could go on right. and on and on. And the point that I saw in this is, A, the the lesson itself, what we're studying, though it is coming from the Bible, the the, the quarterly's lessons, comments on it, are kind of riddled or rife with these allusions and suggestions mm-hmm. and, and, and not really solid things right. to build on. And my concern is if you take those speculations into a class setting, you could generate mm-hmm. far more heat than light. Well, and you no... might like get a lot of discussion, but you aren't going to really 
edify necessarily. No, because there's no definitive. In right. other words, discussion without a definitive, where, where do you come, where do you land? You can't, because it could mean this or it might not. Right. And a concern I had a little bit even beyond that was on Thursday's lesson, there's this suggestion that that Abraham, after the death of Sarah, may have gone, gone back, back to Hagar. Hagar. And yeah. I just, you know, I, to me, the whole, God had told him, cast out the bondwoman and her son. He hadn't gone back to Canaan for any reason. Why would he go back to the experience? It just, it doesn't put things in a good light. I really don't think. And this right here is exactly why I would, yes, if I were teaching go. this class, it, it's so easy to go into, well, I think I'd it could be, be one of those time. people in class. Exactly. Certainly and be so speaking up. As the teacher, you have such quality material in Genesis 22 and 24 that I wouldn't want to divert into what could be cul-de-sacs of, of frustration, you know, in, yes. in, in the layout of the lesson. So anyway, in line with that, we finally get to our talking points, which the this week... The secret things belong to the Lord, but those things which <laughs> are, are revealed belong us. to us and to our children. That's right. So let's reveal our talking points for this week, which by the way, are only two. Okay. Number one, sacrificing Isaac required true faith. And again, mm -hmm. that's brought out primarily in Sunday and Monday's lesson. And then talking point number two, Isaac's marriage to Rebecca required true faith, which again is from Wednesday's lesson. All so right. essentially there are two huge stories, both of which involved genuine faith, and we can find loads of application for our own experience now. But let's go to number one. Yes. Let's Sacrificing Isaac required true faith. Now you think about the context of the Genesis 22 story of Abraham's command to go sacrifice Isaac. Well, obviously we have an Isaac now, which yes. in the previous chapters we hadn't. He finally, by faith, has the child of promise. And that has been not just years, but decades now since he's left the promised land and followed God from Genesis 12 and then the 15, the whole lot issues right. and Sodom and Gomorrah. All that has passed and finally he has the child of promise. And now the same God who for so long had been faithful about this promise mm -hmm. and now he sees the fruition says, now sacrifice that child for me. Mm -hmm. The term that I've put in the notes and we're probably familiar with in our day and age would be cognitive dissonance. Yeah. How does this thing line up with this thing that seemed to be in perpendicular well, to you, each other? You alluded to this, but every last thing God has ever promised to Abraham is wrapped up in Isaac. Mm -hmm. In other words, the, the original call way back in Genesis nation, 12 about yeah. Ur the Chaldees, the great nation, and all of this, Father of the Faithful, everything is tied up. Like the Isaac, seed, the Messiah seed, all of it. Right. It's, yeah. Isaac is, it, in all of that is embodied in Isaac. Yes. And so the Lord couldn't ask Abraham to give up anything. Like, And, and of course, you see the, the parallel to mm -hmm. the plan of salvation. Like when God the Father gave his son, he gave his everything. only begotten, and the scripture calls Isaac the only begotten in the context, he gave everything he had. Everything was wrapped up in that. And, and so we see that mm. in Abraham. Like everything he's done is wrapped up. If I sacrifice Isaac, mm. like where, the, every, every bit of meaning and purpose in his life is gone. Yeah, it's powerful. Well, this, the lesson brings us out. To human understanding. For, exactly, from <laughs> our perspective, right? Uh, Sunday paragraph one says, this divine command contradicted the later biblical prohibition against human sacrifices, which by the way, I think they were still a thou shalt not kill from the Garden of Eden. Sure. It, it was a Cain violated that right off the bat. 
And it surely seemed to work against God's promise of an eternal covenant through Isaac. To your point, not only was it generally against what God would do, ordering killing, right. but now it's the, the killing the very thing that you've promised for so long, right? <laughs> like there's not going to be a descendants if my only child is gone. <laughs> this, and somehow this has got to work. Right. And now what... You know, in contrast with the speculative things we could go in, the Bible doesn't allow us to speculate on this issue of what was in Abraham's mind because it outlines right. it for us in the book of uh, Hebrews. Are you there in Hebrews? Or if you can be, get there. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and please read for us verses 17 through 19 because we get an, a behind the scenes view of the inner workings of Abraham's right. mind. Hebrews eleven seventeen by faith, Abraham, when he was tested offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Mm, I love verse 19, concluding. That means that he deduced, right. he came up with his calculation. If God's going to have this big end goal, right. all wrapped up in Isaac, and the same God wants him to kill Isaac. He's got to work this out. This is exactly. going to happen. And which for our means, like, yeah, yes. resurrection, that's a Christian principle. But it had never happened in scripture before. It was, it, was a, it was a theory. It was an idea. It was a hope for Abraham. And he concluded, well, if he's going to live after he dies, somehow the Lord's going to raise him right. up. And so he puts himself in a framework that faith can still be. I mean, it on. could be akin to saying, you know, for if if, and I can't think of a, an example where this would ring, be true, ring true. You could tell mm -hmm. me, but if, if thus and so need to happen, the only way that can happen is for me to sprout antennas out of my yeah. head. Well, you know, I, in other I words, that's, that's as impossible as yes. it was in Abraham's life. Absolutely insane. Yeah, from a human perspective, resurrection from the dead, but yeah. it's going to have to happen. Well, which brings to the next point, or the subpoint of this one, is that true faith is manifested in obedience, regardless of mm -hmm. understanding. That's the very definition of faith. In Hebrews, the same chapter there. Regardless of po possibility of outcome. Right. From a human perspective, from human, this was yeah. impossible. Yeah. Well, that's and the yet, whole point. Yes. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, I think that's interesting. Things are hoped for. We don't have them yet. They're in the right. future. But the substance is now. And the evidence... Again, like substance, things mm -hmm. now of things that are not seen or not yet seen, right? That's right. The, the concept being, I have to trust that beyond what I can see or understand, God has a plan and he's going to bring it about. And he's asked me to act now in a way in harmony with a thing I don't understand or see. And when you obey that way, that is the ultimate evidence of faith. And this is what I think Paul was alluding mm -hmm. to in Philippians 4, 7, when he speaks of a peace which passes understanding. Mm -hmm. I can have confidence, maybe not joy, maybe, but it's a, there's an abiding trust in God that goes beyond even my understanding of how it's going to work. I just know that it is going to work. Well, and you think about that in the context that that statement comes from Hebrews 11, where you mm -hmm. have all these men and women of faith, and it's not just our own experience. As we see somebody like Abraham and we see his faith, it's substance to me. Mm. who may not be a believer. In other words, Mercy. when we're trying to witness to others around us, it's them seeing how we react in these situations and seeing our faith. They don't see heaven. They don't see God. But wow, they where see does that... You. That's right. exactly right. And there's a, this... A, so it's an evidence to others as well. Yeah, that's a great point that you're bringing out. Well, 
speaking of evidence to others, that's a fantastic incidental segue to our next <laughs> little sub-point here is that not only was it evidence, you know, to mm -hmm. Abraham and Isaac and the humans involved, or to potential generations who would hear about the story, but this was an evidence to God of Abraham's faith. Mm -hmm. If you go to Genesis 22, um, I'll just read very quickly verses 10 through um, 12. This is the climax, the apex of the sacrifice story. It says, And Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. In the picture I have Pastor Howard, and I could be wrong, maybe mm -hmm. this is my speculation, but I don't think he was like, all right, I've got a knife in my hand, God, if you want to do something. He was no. doing it with the intent to actually yeah. follow through, right? But, verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And I get to, again, to imagine a sense of urgency, quick. So he said, here I am. And he said, verse 12, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not mm. withheld your son, your only son from me. Talk about faith being mm. evidence. It was evidence to God that Abraham truly believed him when he was willing to comply with this otherwise humanly insane command. Well, I like what you put in your outline too. It was the crowning evidence. Yes. Because the level of faith that we see there was not the level of faith we've yes. always seen in Abraham. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this in previous lessons, but Abraham From seemed faith to, to faith. Exactly. In Romans 1, it talks about how the right, the just shall live by faith, but it's a faith that grows from faith to faith. So you can have some faith and have more faith. Increase my faith. And in this, and that's exactly what you see in the arc of Abraham's personal history. I don't think that an Abraham of Genesis 12, when he first got that call, is the same Abraham no. of Genesis 22. There's a lot in those 10, 11 chapters. Yeah, we chapters. know he's not because we see little things where, right. I mean, here we talked about that everything is wrapped up in Isaac. Everything wasn't wrapped up in Sarah being his wife, but he couldn't even be straight about that right. when he went before Pharaoh. The Egypt thing, then you have the Hagar issue, yes. all the Lot debacle stuff, and then you have all these quibbles up and down. And finally, the Lord can say, now I know. Yes. This is, this is clear evidence, right? And if there's anything I would ever want, I, I think it's great for me to have evidence of myself that there's faithfulness in my life and mm -hmm. I hope you can and others can see it but man I'd love for God to be able to say now I know yes wouldn't that be great and uh man anyway the substitute ram we got to get there because God didn't just say all right well head on down the mountain now all's done the bigger issue besides the personal faith of Abraham was the lesson of salvation that this encounter was meant to convey both to Abraham and to everyone else that would follow the idea, and the lesson brought this out interestingly. Why don't you read uh, that uh, statement from Quarterly uh, Monday, paragraph one? How about how the how the substitute ram foreshadowed the sacrifice yeah. of Jesus, right there? Um, the substitute ram foreshadowed the sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah. Abraham's declaration in Genesis twenty-two eight that God will provide for Himself the lamb can also be understood to mean God will provide for him, rather provide himself as the lamb. Right, so the quarterly brings out that the, the, the language of, Hebrew, of the Hebrew language here, apparently, now I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I take the word of the guy who is, right? That not only is it saying God will provide a lamb, but it could be written as God himself will be the lamb of provision. Mm -hmm. and. I think that's what Jesus was meaning in John chapter 8, verse 56, when he told his detractors, the religious leaders of those days, mm -hmm. how, quote, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and yes. he saw it and was glad. How did Abraham see 
the day of Jesus, see the ministry mm -hmm. and sacrifice of Jesus. Well, he saw it prefigured in That's these exactly symbols right. of the substitute lamb. So when Abraham's eyes saw the ram caught in a thicket, and he knew that God had provided that in the place of the death of his own son, he got it. You, you, you've got to put, you know, Abraham is standing on a precipice, as it were, mm. being asked to jump. From a yeah. standpoint of faith, what the anguish, the, the mental anguish, the spiritual anguish of what God was asking him to do. Yeah. And he was ready to jump. Now, you've got to put yourself in that mind space of having made that commitment mm -hmm. and what all it's going to do and your world's going to implode and everything else. And then Christ comes over, pushes Abraham aside and jumps. Mm. You know, in other words, because at that point in experience, he when he realized what it was going to cost him, mm. then he saw mm -hmm. Christ take that place. Mm -hmm. It helped him to appreciate the cost of, of Calvary. Absolutely. And I think for many of us, you know, it's so cliche now to accept Jesus as your Savior. And I don't think many of us have come to that point of realizing what it would mean for us to bear the mm -hmm. result of all of our sin and then see Jesus bearing that. Mm. That's what Abraham saw when he saw that ram in a thicket. That's so true. Uh, in Patriots and Prophets 154, it's also in the quarterly on Monday's lesson, uh, we, we read how Sister White writes, it was to impress Abraham's mind with the reality of the gospel as well as to test his faith that God commanded him to slay his son. So there's a twofold mm -hmm. purpose, to test Abraham individually and to impress his mind with the reality of the gospel. She goes on to say, the agony which he endured during the dark days of that fearful trial was permitted that he might understand from his own experience something of the greatness of the sacrifice made mm -hmm. by the infinite God for man's redemption. Amen. Again, he saw Jesus' day and he was glad. Mm. Friends, that could be enough, but we've got a whole second story we've got to get to. That's right. Uh, another act of faith is the marriage of Isaac to Rebecca. And that's, again, Genesis chapter 22 and taken primarily from Wednesday's lesson in the quarterly. This may be... It's not maybe, this is a way more practical, you know, <laughs> we're not going to be asked to offer up our, our children as human sacrifices. Right. That's not going to happen. But marriage and giving in marriage, that's a thing. <sighs> yeah, it, this is a, a great lesson. Anyway, well, and what I think tell about, us what you got here. Again, we don't have time to read through the story. You might want to touch on it in class a little bit. But in, in synopsis, Abraham's growing old. Isaac is now 40 years old himself. And he has yet to see his next generation because Isaac hasn't even gotten married. And so there's still Abraham, Isaac. We still have Eliezer in the picture. And there's going to be a Rebecca in the picture. And what I find fascinating of the many things in this story that are fascinating is that compared to the Genesis 22 account, it's primarily Abraham and, yes, Isaac as well. That These two are the only players in the act, if you will. But now... We have Abraham, Eliezer, Isaac, Rebecca, the household of Rebecca that's going to allow her to come back. Right. Every one of these has to act in harmonious faith for the reality to come true. Mm. It's, it's really interesting. So anyway, and the talking points are right. Abraham's trust in God's promise to eventually possess Canaan and produce a faithful nation through Isaac drove his decisions following his experience on Mount Moriah as well. Going back to that long sure. view, the horizon, right? He, in Genesis 23, we just kind of, the lesson touches on this, and we're just going to mention it here, but he doesn't settle for even receiving the kindness and generosity of strangers and allowing his uh, wife Sarah to be buried. 
he makes sure to purchase that land because he knows I'm going to possess the land. Yeah. I, I need to purchase it. So he does that, right? And in the finding of a wife for Isaac in Genesis 24, he doesn't say, well, I've done my part now. Isaac exists by faith. Right. Sarah has passed to her rest. I'm surely next. And anyway, it's time, time for... find himself. Yeah, exactly. Wife. It's time to pass this next... No, he says, I'm, I'm tired. tired. <laughs> but man, it's, this is just dawning on me. What a lesson it is for us. You're never done being a parent. You're oh. never done being a faithful Christian. You're never done as a laborer for God. Until your kids are still in your home. Yes, they Both are. Both of my kids are out of the home. My daughter finally graduated uh, high school and she's off to college. And that, that Do you need was an LED real, like go no, no, It was a real dawning on me of that, what you just said, that mm. you're always a parent. And, mm. uh, of course, it gives you more insight as to God is always our the parent. The ultimate parent. Just because we're yeah. grown-ups doesn't mean we don't need parenting. Well, and if you to take the time, you could go through and see how each of the participants in the marriage arrangement for Isaac acted yes. in faith. First of all, Abraham, again, acted in accordance with the promise. He's not going to allow his son to, to marry a local non-believer or whatever. He said, I need to fulfill this promise for the covenant to come true. Eliezer who, if you remember back in Genesis 15, was in the conversation to be heir himself. Right. And then there's an Ishmael, and there's an, but he's still acting in faithful obedience to his command, uh, to his master and the Lord. And he trusted that, the, that God would, quote, send his angel. By the way, the same angel of the Lord, who in Genesis 22 stopped the hand of Abraham from mm -hmm. killing Isaac and now going to lead Came down Eliezer. and talked to Abraham about the destruction of Sodom. Right. So all the way through, God <laughs> has had this, this messenger, his, who is the angel of the Lord, who I believe is the messenger, who is the Lord, right? Who is personally leading in all of this. Eliezer puts his faith in that and acts in accordance with it. Isaac himself, by the way, I love the Isaac picture here. He essentially does the same thing in Genesis 22 and he does in 24. He takes the passive role, though he could assert himself at any time. You think mm -hmm. back in Mount Moriah, could he have overpowered his father and said, yeah, this is your faith, brother, not mine. Mm -hmm. Of course he could have, but he doesn't. He relents. He, he submits. And here in Genesis 24, man, I, I don't know, Pastor Howard, if my parents had said, you know what? It's time for you to find my... You sit back. We'll take care of us. We'll I'm not sure I would have had that kind of faith, right? But Isaac, once again, demonstrates that patience to let the Lord mm -hmm. unfold as he will, and he trusts the process. And then, of course, finally we get Rebecca, who sometimes I think we kind of like, oh yeah, anyway, she came along. Think about how crazy this is for her. She's never met Isaac. She doesn't know Abraham. She's learning all, maybe she's heard about it from her family, and you know, Abraham left. And But when... Eliezer shows up. Well, this this was more commonplace in their day than still in our. But he society. didn't just go in and drag her by the hair That's and say, true. "You're coming with me." They have to say, "Are you willing to consent to this arrangement?" Yeah. And she acts in faith. Mm -hmm. So you, in order for this one thing to work, you have Before to have. Before she's least, seen him. A sight unseen, right? Right. So it, it's a really interesting, and and it brings to this point, which I want to close with today. And maybe it'd be a good place for Sabbath school classes to close with too. That somehow, amazingly, God can foretell and guide the future without violating our individual free will. At any other point along here, Abraham, Eliezer, Isaac, Rebecca, anyone could have broken that bond of faith and somehow God's plan would have still gone forward. I don't know how, but that's 
That's what we're told. In fact, um, were you going to make a comment? I, I was. Before that, you have... Um, just. I, th I think we would be remiss if you don't look at this whole... Like, this was not just the custom of the time. Mm -hmm. God has something to say about who we marry. Mm. It was important to Abraham, this man of faith, that his son marry a fellow believer. Yes. And this was part of God's... I mean, this is, this is on record. <laughs> it requires, and I know this from having kids that are entering into that time of life where you're looking for somebody, it requires faith to hold out, as it were, for the right person who, mm. who has the right belief system. And I know a lot of young people who connect with somebody, and there's a mindset. I know they don't believe the same, but I'll but, never find anybody else like, and, it's, it, and it requires faith, just mm. as much as we see in this story here. It wasn't any different for Rebecca. She could have easily said, well, wait a minute, I want to keep my options open. and I want to, Or Isaac could have said, yeah, but what about... He didn't. Mm. And... and so part of their, this was part of their religious, who and how they married was part of their religious experience. Yes. And their trust in God led them where they did. And the Lord was able to work that out into a wonderful and a beautiful marriage, despite, as we're going to go into some of the uh, Laban's... Uh, in, oh, it in gets ugly. It enough, gets yes. ugly. But, the, but we're not there yet, and I'm sure no. the lessons will go that way. But the point that... that I love the point that you're making is it's just as much an act of faith to not do sometimes it is to do. That's right. It's like, I'm going to act by faith. Well, what if the Lord says, why don't you just hang out and not do something for a while? That's I mean, right. that, if there's one thing we could learn from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, patience in letting the Lord mm. fulfill his promise in his way. It, it, and let's go to that as we close then. God is sovereign over all of the things we've been studying. Yet he draws people into that as co-laborers with him in his plans. And so I don't understand it. I'll just be straightforward here. I do not understand how God can say, this is going to happen and you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. But you have the freedom to not. Okay. And it's still going to work. But let's interject that okay. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to look back <laughs> true. to. They were the Abraham, And Isaac, you talk Jacob. about them, this, this lesson they learned. They learned it the hard way. Yes, they did. So we don't have to. <laughs> and so their record, as much as we can't totally understand, yet we can look back on that experience, praise God that those experiences are recorded, so maybe we can learn the lesson in a little softer way right. than they have Well, and again, we've seen Abraham not be quite as faithful as he should have been, and it caused detour, but at mm -hmm. the end... He's going to get to the destination that God That's had right. laid out. And I'm thinking of Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called yes. according to his birth. And I don't know exactly the circuitous route it gets there, but we know it's going to end in good. Yes. I think of Nahum chapter 1, verse 9. I had to throw this one in there. These were mm. not in the lesson, but they're just some of my favorite passages, yes. so I get to say them. <laughs> and it's, the question is asked, what do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. Mm -hmm. Somehow that big picture view, that end goal of sin no more. I love that. What will you conspire? Like, no, 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 I'm going to divert God's plan. No, you're not. No, you're not. He's going to win. <laughs> yeah. And so we can act in faith or out of faith, but God's still going to win. So the choice for us Amen. is not choosing the outcome. The question is, are we going to be part of the team? Amen. And so it was just powerful. Let's close with that uh, statement from... Friday's lesson, yes. also Testimonies 3, 369, says, All the sorrow and agony that Abraham endured through the, that dark and fearful trial were for the purpose of deeply impressing upon his understanding the plan of redemption for fallen man. 
He was made to understand in his own experience how unutterable was the self-denial of the infinite God in giving his own son to die to rescue man from utter ruin. To Abraham, no mental torture could be equal to that which he endured in obeying the divine command to sacrifice his son. Mm. And it implies a mental torture of God in giving his own son yes, as it's it does. drawing that parallel. Yes, it does. And it, all of these acts of faith are leading to that great culminating promise that someday sin will be no more Amen. and that we can be part of that heavenly kingdom and with choices ours today to be part of that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you so much for the rich study in your word that you provide for us. Thank you for these lessons that guide us to that. And thank you for the Sabbath school teachers and participants who will be discussing these important themes this week in Sabbath school. Please let there be growth, not just individually, but collectively as a people, Lord, that we may reflect you and work for you and by your grace, hasten the coming of Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.